Oh, oh no, you can, you can stay standing. I love it. No, I'm kidding. You ever heard anybody say that? Eh? No, no, keep standing. I love the adoration. <laughs> good morning. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. How you doing? Oh, yes. It's so good to be with you. It, it really is. Wow. Look at all of these youth that came forward. Eh? Isn't that amazing? You guys are just going to have an amazing time. I'm just, I'm just kind of overwhelmed by the volume. Wow, that's, that's really good. Um, guys, you know what? My name's Curtis. Um, and the reason I say that is because even though I was introduced, it's, it's quite funny because I've been here since Thursday and done a couple of meetings and I've walked into meetings and people have been like, who are you? <laughs> so I, I want to just introduce myself a little bit, just share a little bit who, of who I am. And uh, yeah, the reason I'm doing this is because I'm not a guest speaker this morning. I'm not a guest speaker. I am part of the family. We are an amazing global movement. And, and I say that with all humility because, you know, sometimes we say things like that and it makes us feel really good about ourselves. The reason we feel really great about ourselves is because of what Jesus is doing. But we are part of a global family, and I am here as a uh, friend. I'm here as a brother. I'm here as a co-laborer. I'm here as an uncle, as a cousin, as a father, not a mother. We're all part together. Right? So, so I'm here to help. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here as part of the ongoing relationship that, that, that we have. So anyway, so I'm from Toronto, and my, my official title at the, at the church is, is, as you heard, is a pastor of evangelism and outreach for Catch a Fire uh, Church in, in, in Toronto. And, and what, that means is, what that means is not that I get up and do evangelism. Oh, you want to hang on to that because we're going there. Not that I do evangelism and everybody watches me, which, I, you know, I don't mind that. I mean, it's, you know, no, just kidding. That's not what's important. What's important is that we, we all learn how to fish for men together. Folks, we are a vessel as individuals, but we are a vessel as as a movement. We are a movement of vessels. We're not an ocean liner vessel. We're not a tow hauling vessel. We're not, we're not a cruise ship entertainment vessel. I gotta get back in the light. We are we are, we are fishing vessels. We are fishing vessels. Back home in Toronto, I'm married. I'm, I have three children. Um, I have a son that's 27 years old. Uh, yeah, I heard that. Whoa. I get that all the time. All the time. I have a daughter. Middle daughter is 24, and the youngest is, is 18, going on 30. And um, you know what that's like, right? Thirdborns. Um, so I know people say, oh my gosh, Curtis, you are, you've been married, I've been married 30 years next month. Wow. Yeah, man. 
So the question is, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Just say it. How can you look so young? <laughs> and here's my explanation. Because black don't crack. No. Because plastic surgery is really cheap in Toronto. No kidding. No, that's not true either. You know, I, you know, we've all heard the black don't crack thing, right? Okay. But I heard another one recently. I shared it this morning. This, I, I don't know if you heard it. Black don't crack and Asian don't raisin. That is really good. Yeah? If you saw my family, you would never know how old any of us are. I don't know what, what's the deal. But, um, yeah, I've been married 30 years. My wife's name is Debbie. And, um, and you know, that's, that's my family. I love my family more than anything in the world. Uh, it, it's just, and you know what, folks? I, I, I've had such an amazing time here in the last couple of days. Um, I, just, I, I don't feel at home. This is home. You know, so so we met with uh, we met with the outreach team, and um, oh, it was just it was just amazing, just hanging out. It was it was so good. It just felt like I was home, and 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 uh, we met with the young adults last night. That was really fun. Oh my gosh, we almost started a revolution last night, and then we carried it over onto the porch at the Haven House. And we just hung out till like midnight. It was so good. Hey, why am I sharing this? That's what family does. That's what family does. Now, the grace that God has given me by his grace, not because I earned it, not because any of us earned it, but that grace, as a member of the family, I want to give to you. And we're going to talk today very briefly about living a questionable life. I am the chaplain coordinator for our regional police service in Toronto. Well, not Toronto, but I mean, when you're from Canada, everything's Toronto, right? Um, and when you travel around the world and you speak English, you're automatically American. Well, I don't like that. I'm Canadian. It's a big difference. And I'll tell you, I'll share a little bit about that difference in a second. I ice fish. You guys don't. Anyway, so we'll talk about that. I, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the blackest redneck you'll ever meet in your entire life. So, so as, as part of the, the police service, I've been their chaplain coordinator for 10 years, and that basically means that I, I pastor our police force. And when you use the term, you know, I, I've done lots of police training. I've done lots of, you know, PTSD and all kinds of stuff like that. And when, when, when a cop says this is, person is of a questionable nature... Um, it, it's, it's, it's very concerning. Very concerning. But what I want to show you today is that is precisely what Jesus expects of us. To live a life that's questionable. Folks, let me just say it this way. As a fishing vessel, we must catch people for God. Jesus said, follow after me and I will make you to become good church members. I will make you to become those who understand doctrine correctly. He says, I will make you to become a fisher of men. I want us to understand the gravity of the situation here. And again, please, 
I know we're used to evangelists coming into our midst. How many of you have heard of evangelists before? You know, it's amazing. I've done seminars, Duncan. I've done seminars, and I've done seminars on evangelism. And next to my seminar is a seminar on the prophetic. Well, guess how many people show up to the prophetic seminar? A million. Guess how many show up to the evangelism seminar? One cricket. And why is that? Why is it that we are generally afraid when an evangelist shows up to talk about evangelism? Listen, let me make a statement. You and I best represent Christ when we live a questionable life. We best represent Christ when we live a questionable life. And we're going to look at that a little bit. But why are we so afraid? You know why? Because we're the guys who show up to tell you about all of the stuff that you know you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing. <laughs> Jesus did so much. Come on, guys. How many of you... Hey, we're in the South right now, in America, right? You've heard heavy preaching. You've heard evangelists say things like that. Have you not? Have you not? You've heard us say things like, Jesus did so much for us, the least we could do is share the gospel with everyone around. Folks, I want to do a quick survey here this morning before we get into the Word of God. Because I want to show you, I want to show you that our best method of fishing for people is not for us to assault people with the truth. But the best method for you and I is for us to live a questionable life. Folks, how many of you in this room, we did this survey this morning and it was really fun. I'm going to do it again. How many of you in this room came to Jesus because a total stranger preached to you one day on a street corner or in a park or in a liquor store a total stranger preached to you, and you said yes to Jesus. Anybody? Somebody preached to you on the street. Wow. How many of you came to Jesus because, I don't know, you were watching television one day, and you saw a TV evangelist, and they were preaching, and, you know, and they did an altar call. You just happened to be just, I got nothing to do with my life, so I'm just going to watch a TV preacher. And you did, and they, you, they led you in a sinner's prayer. Anybody? TV. Okay. Okay. Two people. H how, how many of you came to Jesus because you were in a hotel, and you opened the drawer, and there it was. <laughs> the good old Gideon's Bible. And you opened it up, you know, the hardcover, you turned to the red writing, and you read the words of Jesus, and just... Wow, just you read the Bible all by yourself and, and, and discovered Christ and gave your life to Jesus. Let me see your hands. Wow. Whoa. How many of you are saved? Okay, I just, as I said this morning, I just want to make sure that we're not in like the, you know, the Mormon church. No, no, no. You know where I'm going with this, don't you folks? How many of you came to Christ because someone lived a questionable life? In other words, somebody who was a Christian became your friend and through that relationship led you to Christ or brought you to church where you gave your life to Jesus. Let me see your hands. That is incredible. Now, some, that's like some of you haven't raised your hands and I don't understand that. Well, we'll do an altar call later and we'll deal with that. <laughs> 
Here's what I'm saying, church. Here's what I'm saying. I'm telling you, folks, we got to earn, we got to earn the right to be heard. We've got to earn the right to be heard. Now, one of the things that I've learned by traveling through different places in the world, particularly here in the South, it seems like everybody's a Christian. Are you, are you with me? It seems like everybody's a Christian. And I, and I mean that facetiously. I'm not being, they're not. But it's, it's so, it's such a religious culture and environment. Is it okay for me to say that? Am I offending anybody? Well, too bad. But, but it, it's, it's such, it, it feels like such a, a Christianized culture that I don't think it would be uncommon to say to the majority of people, have you ever heard somebody talk about Jesus? I, I don't think it would be foreign for people to say, oh, we've heard it, we've heard it, we've heard it all before. But yet they're not born again. They're, they're not Christians. Do you know, I was in the backdrop of the CN Tower, which is like the largest building in, in, in Canada. We used to be in the world. And I was, I was out in a park, and we were sharing Jesus with people. And I met a man in, I will never forget it. It was so embarrassing. I met a man in the park. And I approached him, and I said, hey, sir, I just want to tell you about Jesus. You know, we were kind of doing that confrontational evangelism thing that doesn't really work. And, and, and I said, do you know Jesus? Do you want to give your life? The guy looked at me. And he said, who are you talking about? In Toronto. I said, Jesus, the son of God. He goes, sir, I don't know who you're talking about. I've never heard of him. I want to tell you, I was embarrassed. Well, that's not the context here, is it? But yet at the same token, church, we are called to fish for people. We are a vessel that is a fishing vessel. So how do we do it? If I were to say to you, folks, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to all leave this service. And we're going to head downtown, wherever, you know, downtown is. Uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to go out on the streets and we're going to hand out tracts and you're going to preach to people. How many of you would be glad to sign up for that? Yeah, maybe three or four. But now hold on a second. Hold on a second. What does that do for the other 98% of us? In other words, is there another way? Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read something to you there. I'm so excited about this word. 1 Peter chapter 3. The Apostle Peter says in verse 13, look at this. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Isn't that good? <laughs> Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer, you're blessed. Watch this. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Verse 15. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. <laughs> Some, some, uh, uh, not some um, versions of the Bible say, venerate Christ in your heart. What does that mean to set Jesus apart in your heart? Folks, you know, sometimes what you and I really need is a pragmatic way of applying things of the Spirit to our lives. I shouldn't say sometimes, all the time. What does it mean to set Jesus apart in your heart? 
It literally means that you intentionally and purposefully say, Jesus, I'm calling on you. I love you. I set my heart in your direction. I walk holy before you. Jesus, I set you in my life as number one. That's what it means to set Christ apart in your, in your, in your heart. Now, now watch what he says after that. Watch what he says. He says, always be prepared. Always be prepared. Now, let me stop there. Because, you know, preachers, we love to stop mid-sentence. Always be prepared. Now, we've heard that a lot, haven't we? Evangelists are always telling us, be prepared. Preach a gospel. Tell everything that moves that Jesus loves them. And what does it do for us? What does it do for us? Oh, I know I'm going to be misunderstood here. Always be prepared. Follow me now. What does it do for us? It causes you and I to go, yeah, you're right. But you don't do it. And when we don't do it, what does it produce in us? The very opposite thing that, was in that it was intended to do. Are you following me? Now, we're getting, we're, I'm drilling down here now. Are you following me? This is a journey. This isn't an event. This is a journey. We become fishing vessels. It's a journey together. Okay. It creates in us the very thing, very opposite thing that it was intended to do, which is this. It creates in us a sense of guilt. This sense of failure. This sense of avoidance. This sense of, I can't really do that. Always be prepared. Follow me now. Mid-sentence. I'm going to finish it. It creates in us a sense of inadequacy. And it is, it is it's compounded by people sometimes who preach that come to us and share with us what I like to call high-watermark experiences. What are high-watermark experiences? Well, I mean, I was woke up this morning, brushed my teeth, and raise the dead. <laughs> I went into Walmart, and when I walked in that line, you know, all the people in Walmart, I prayed for them in the line, and they all fell over under the power of the Spirit. Okay, you know I'm kidding, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Are you with me? What we talk about is the high watermark experiences. So I come up here and I say, good morning, everyone. Um, this is Courtesy Evangelist, greatest thing in the world, and here's the deal. I have done great exploits for Jesus. And you look at me and you go, that's, that's good. That's really good. But then you go, but that ain't me. Come on now. How are we going to change that? We have to do it intentionally. We have to, we have to do it together. How are we going to change it? We change it by, listen now, we need to celebrate the ordinary. We need not to celebrate the fact that I treasure hunted somebody and I gave them a prophetic word. Oh, folks, please hear my heart. Am I saying that I don't like that type of stuff? I'm not saying that at all. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. 
I'm just saying it, it is, it, I'm just saying it doesn't really work very well. Because we just did a survey, and that survey in this room, the statistic was a good 85 to 90% of you came to Jesus as a result of someone being prepared to give you an answer for the reason, the hope that they have. Now, listen, it's the first and only place I've seen in the New Testament where instead of us going out and giving people, Jesus is the answer. People are like, what's the question? <laughs> instead of us going out and being the ones who preach at people, now don't get me wrong, just hear me right. It's the first place I've seen in the New Testament where God is saying, wait for them to ask you. Oh, folks, I don't care about being right. I don't really care about being right. We gotta stop caring about being right. And we gotta start understanding that, that the, the, the reward that is worthy of the suffering of the Lamb is not that I'm right or that I have a great ministry. It's not that. God could care less about that. He didn't give his son so Curtis Hines could pat himself on the back. Please hear what I'm saying. He gave his son to die for people. Jesus, before he left planet Earth, what did he say? Disciple the nations. And I said it this morning. Could you imagine the very last words to come out of your mouth? If you knew today was the last day you're on planet Earth, what would you do? Who would you gather around you and what would you say to them? Well, Curtis, I would, I would go to the nation's capital and prophesy over the nation. Don't lie to me. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. You know what you would do? You'd want to gather around you the people that you love the most. And the words that come out of your mouth would, need, would be the words that pour from you. It would be, be the most important thing that you could ever say. And what a Jesus. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? We've all read Matthew 28. What were his last words? Disciple the nations. Go into all the world. Now, oh yeah, we love to say that evangelist. Oh, here we go. As we shake and quiver, go into all the world and disciple the nations. Well, folks, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He never told us how to do it. We discover how to do it. Are you following me? Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to tell you how to do it. What I'm doing today is I'm saying to you, why eliminate 95% of us? Listen, folks, this thing of catching people is not, is not for a select few. It's, it's not about that. Last night we were hanging out with the young adults, and I'll tell you what, man, I was so impressed. I was so impressed with you guys. I know you're here. I was so impressed with you guys. It was just like, oh, my gosh, Curtis, we're doing this stuff. It was like, yes, yes. Now, here's, here's my charge to you, church. Here's my charge. Here's my charge. I want you to identify among yourselves, catch the fire, those of you that are evangelists. 
Now, here's a primary call of an evangelist. To have a great big ministry. <laughs> Where we go, we go, oh, this is awesome. See those pictures? That's 65,000 Africans that we've led to Jesus. Can you support us, please? Is that the role of an evangelist? I want to say, nay, it's not. No, it's not. Here's what an evangelist does. An evangelist equips people to do evangelism. Come on. So good. That's what an evangelist does. Now, I want you to know something. In order for us to be an effective fishing vessel, it's not going to be because of me and Murray and Duncan and, and, and those of us who sit on the front row and those of us that you kind of look to admire. No, 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 no. No, there are evangelists all throughout this amazing Catch the Fire church of ours. There's evangelists all throughout. Listen, wake up. How do you identify that? If you have a passion to see fish caught, and you have, listen now, and you have a greater passion to see fellow believers catch them, then you're an evangelist. Are you with me? Are you with me? We need you. We need you to rise up. Well, what does that mean, Curtis? Rise up. We need you to begin to put forward ideas on how we can do this. How can we better live a questionable life in Raleigh-Durham? How can we better do that? How can we better do it? How do we live a questionable life? Paul, uh, P Peter says, always be ready. Always be prepared to give an answer. How does that happen? You ever think about that? Uh, what, what, what kind of person do I need to be that somebody's going to ask me, why, Curtis, do you believe what you believe? What kind of person does that make me? Somebody who, I'll tell you what kind of person. Someone who intentionally puts themselves right in the company of the fish. I ice fish. Yeah, it's okay. You can laugh. It's fine. Laugh at me. It's fine. Because it's you're, you're going, I don't even know what ice fishing is. Well, here's the, here's the deal. We go three miles into the middle of a frozen lake. <laughs> minus 20, well, Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Minus 22 below zero. And we go into the middle of a frozen lake. We dig a hole in the ice. We set up the thing around us. And we stick our fishing rods into the water, ice fishing poles are about this big, and, and, and we, we go down like 30, 60 feet, and we sit there for four days. <laughs> I told you I was a redneck. And you know what? It is heaven to me. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. How many of you know it's not called catching? It's called fishing. It's a big difference. Because if it was catching, I would do it in an hour because there's a, there's a, there's a limit that we get on that lake, Lake Nipissing. There's a, there's a limit that you have on the lake. You can catch a certain number of walleye, a certain number of whatever, right? And, and once, you hit your, once you hit your limit, you got to stop fishing, right? Now, if it was called catching, I would catch my limit in the first half hour. But it's not called catching. It's called fishing. So, you and I are called to fish. How do we do it? 
We got to get out of the four walls of the church, folks. We got to break out of the church. We got to go into all the world. No, we don't. You're already in the world. What do you mean? What are you, what are you talking about? Where do you need to go? You're already, how many of you work? I asked that in the first service and like a third of the hands went up. I was like, what? You're already in mission. You're already there. How many of you live somewhere? You're already in mission. Listen, nine-tenths of you in this room, this is why we got to grow in this, folks. We got to move together. Nine-tenths of you in this room came to Jesus because someone lived a questionable life, 1 Peter 3.15, and led you to Christ or brought you to church. So why are we trying to break down the walls of the church when nine-tenths of us, and I've done this survey in 25 countries, and it's the same. So why are we trying to break out of the church when, listen, could it possibly be that this is the most wonderful vehicle that God has designed for us to be able to bring people to? And I would say to you, yes, it is. So how do we live a questionable life? Number one, I want to encourage you to be intentional about people. Folks, I want to tell you, you know what I, my wife and I do? We sit every morning, we do our God time, I have a, we have our coffee and stuff, and we celebrate the ordinary. Did you hear what I just said? Instead of celebrating that I went into Walmart and nailed somebody in the spirit and pulled them out of a wheelchair, we're celebrating. Oh my gosh, sweetheart. The other day I asked the Uber driver if he was a follower of Jesus. And he said no. And we had a great conversation. We celebrate that. I want you to celebrate engagement. Well, what are you talking about? Jesus did it. Can I just throw a scripture out to you? I got, how much more time do I have? I, I didn't, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me throw a scripture out to you. Do you know when the prophet described the coming of the Messiah, you know what he said? In describing Jesus, he said, and he will not raise his voice in the streets. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, wait, what, what does that mean? Okay, please, am I saying street ministry, we don't need to do it? I'm not saying that. I love it, I do it. We, I just did it in France. I was in France for a week. We did it. I'm just trying to say to you, 95% of you won't do it. So if that's, if the bold evangelism is the way in which, the only way in which we're going to fish for people, we might as well wrap this thing up now because it ain't going to happen. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We need to willfully, intentionally place ourselves in the way of people. Okay, how, how, how do we do that? <laughs> Engage them. I don't think a day goes by that I don't say to someone, hey, do you have faith? Hey, are you a follower of Jesus? And it opens up a conversation. 
I have a session I teach, and it's called How to Start a Conversation with Anyone. <laughs> How to Share Jesus in Two Minutes or Less. We engage. Now, I want you to see this. Are we okay so far? I want you to see this. I want you to look at Jesus and his interaction with the woman at the well. The first time he reveals the Father was to this Samaritan woman. It is just incredible. Just incredible. The last thing Jesus did was present truth to her. But you see, we've been taught it's the first thing we do. Well, I want to tell you, no. Listen, you don't come into my house and tell me how to run my house. Are you following me? And that's what we do. We assault people with the truth. Well, Jesus never did that. Never, ever, 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 ever did that. He earned the right by virtue of miracles, signs and wonders, by virtue of loving people. He earned it. The last thing he did was present truth to this woman. What was the first thing he did? Hey, what's up? That's what he did. How's it going? Can I have a drink? Wait a minute, what a novel idea. What a novel idea. I'm going to close in one second. I have a, a friend who's not a Christian. I spent four years with him. I love him. I absolutely love him. He's one of my closest friends. And he's not a Christian. And um, do I want him to be one? Absolutely. I am not going to heaven without him. Come on. I, I'm not. But you see, even if he becomes a Christian or he doesn't, he is my friend. Now, I have asked him for a drink of water. I know this, oh, I, feel, I could feel the chains breaking off of some of you. I have asked him for a drink of water on multiple occasions. Are you following me? And I'm not afraid to. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did. I want to free you to not be afraid to ask people for a drink of water. In other words, don't be afraid to engage. Place yourself in their company on purpose. And don't be afraid. Listen now. Listen now. Here, here, here's, a, here's a catcher. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of getting slimed by people. <laughs> Which is totally unbiblical. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to say to someone who is not a Christian, can you give me some advice? Can you help me out? I've seen something in you. Can I, can I have some of that? You know why? Because engagement is the doorway to questions. Questions are the doorway for the gospel. Will you do it? Let's begin to engage with people on purpose. Number two, very quickly, number two. I want, uh, how, about being, how about being nice? What a novel thought. How, how, about, how, about be, how about smiling? How about just, how about, how about taking interest in people? On purpose. 
All right, share a quick story, then I'm going to end, okay? Quick story. I was just in France, and we went into this, um, this restaurant. Anyways, the place was archaic. It looked like it was like 700 years old, dust everywhere. Nobody was buying anything. So I went in there, and, and, um, and uh, you know, I don't speak French. So I said, you know, does anybody speak French? She says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, monsieur. I'll get the owner. So the owner comes out. Man, she looked like, she looked like somebody from the, Mo- the Munsters. She, she came out, and she just looked at me like... Mm. Right? So instantly, instantly, because I pray for the Lord. I pray to the Lord every day. God, fill me with love for people. Right? And, and, and to a fault. I, I, I pray for that every single day. Instantly, when I saw this woman, I took interest in her. Living a questionable life. So I started to engage with her. And it wasn't easy. I said, hello. Hello. I said, wow, this is a very interesting place. I wanted to say, this looks like it comes from a museum. But I was like, this is a very, this is a very interesting place. How old is the hotel? All of a sudden, guys, all of a sudden, this lady just starts to, because someone took interest in her. And then, and then I said, I said, you know, I said, um, I said, oh, because there was like, you know, beer there, and it was like one tap. So I was like, oh, is that a local beer? And she's like, no, no, it's not a local beer. And I said, can I try, can I try a little sip? And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, he wants to sip our beer. So she gave me a little thing, a little tester, and I was like, oh, this is so nice, because it really was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this, this is so nice. And she goes, would you like a glass? I said, yeah. She goes, you want a small glass? I go, no, give me a big glass. So she pours, she pours a big glass for me, and then I take my credit card out to pay, and she goes, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I cannot um, put anything under six euros uh, through on a credit card. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. I don't have any, any cash on me, just credit card. She goes, oh, don't worry about it, don't worry. No worry, monsieur, just, just go ahead, you can have it. Just amazing. So then I'm standing there talking to her, so the lady from the Munsters, all of a sudden, she becomes very sweet. Why? Because I took the time to engage her. Well, there's a longer story than that. So I, I said to her, I said, you know what? I like this place so much. I'm going to go get my friends, and we're all going to come back here, and we're all going to buy a beer. Come on. Right? So that was a school of evangelism I was doing in France. There was like 15 of us, right? So I forced every one of them to drink beer. So, <laughs> so I went out. Now, this, this is my friend now. It's my friend. I, I, want to see, I want to see good things happen for her. So I went out and I said, okay, guys, you know what? Here's the thing. You know what? We're going over there. Oh, we are? Yeah, we're going, we're going over there. We're going to have lunch over there. So all of us crowded over. <laughs> guys, it was incredible. All of us crowded over. She told me her name. Her name was, uh, I think it was Justine. So, so we're all sitting out on the tables, and then her wait- wait- waitress comes out, and I said, I told you, Justine, I would bring everybody. And all of a sudden, she starts smiling way at the other end. She's like this. <laughs> right? It goes on from there. So we, we kind of invade the place because nobody was there. People start showing up because they saw a crowd. Right? So we're all hanging out, just talking and stuff like that. The waitress comes over. She's got a nice tattoo. I like tattoos. And... Yeah, don't. Anyways, I, it's, I like tattoos. And, and, and so 
So we start this conversation about her tattoo and stuff like that. <laughs> so we, we start a conversation about her tattoo and da-da-da-da-da. And all of a sudden, this one guy says, why are you here? And Anyway, so we ended up sharing Jesus literally with three or four people. And Justine, Justine sold a ton of beer and she became our friends. Now, did anybody get saved? No. Did the power of God, thank you, thank you, Duncan. Did the power of God come out of my hands and zap her? No. No. But you see, you see, here's the deal. Here's the thing, guys. You and I do not know the extent of the journey that people are on. And if all we ever think about is landing the deal, we are going to miss God by a long shot. That's why it's called fishing. Amen. Amen. Can you stand, please? Amen. Oh, church, guys, come on. We're going to do this. We're doing it, and we're going to do this together. Let's lift our hands to Jesus. Is that okay? Lord, oh, Jesus, we, um, I don't even know what to say other than Jesus. We want you to receive the reward that is due your suffering. We do. We want you. Lord, we lift up every single person that we know who is far from you. Whether they live with us, our husbands, our wives, brothers, sisters, cousins, children, co-workers, whatever, friends, associates, whatever, people we see every day at the gas station. Jesus, I'm asking as our hands are raised and our hearts are lifted to you, could you, could you, could you just pour out your spirit right now on every one of us and fill us with a greater measure of your love? Whoa. Fill us. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, let's figure out ways. Evangelists, I want you. Step forward. Step forward. Help the church to do this stuff. Step forward. Don't wait for it to come from the pulpit. Step forward. Holy Spirit, help us. Fill us and empower us to reach those, to fish for people. And Lord, if the journey... Six months, two years, five years. It's okay with us. It's all right with us because we enjoy it. Lord, and I ask that you'd break off of any one of us and every one of us right now, the spirit of Phariseeism, religion, break off guilt. Just break it off of us, Lord. And I release you from the guilt that you have felt that has been laid on you by the enemy. Not doing enough. If I was a better Christian, I'd preach. You are a better Christian because of Jesus. And I just release you in Jesus' name to go and simply love people. Well, Curtis, what about the preaching? Is it, trust me, trust me, trust me. Trust me when I say this. Eventually, you will share the gospel with them. It'll happen. It'll be a moment. There's an open door in every heart. But I just bless you to go for it. I bless you to do that. And I bless you to continue to work together as a global family 
that we would see the greatest harvest of souls that has ever hit this planet. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Love you. Come on.